0: brace but yes I am a Red Sox fan I don't know we've gone over this I feel like before I understand how much of a douchebag I look like as a Bama fan and a Red Sox fan but I've been a Red Sox fan since I was a kid like since I was like 11 Um, and I'm not gonna apologize for it I will say one thing that sucks is when I first became a Red Sox fan mainly is because of Fenway Park and it being like a religious experience it was like mm-hmm. the closest thing to college football I'd ever seen, like from like a baseball standpoint. But it was yeah, also I mean, cool because they weren't like the Yankees, and the Yankees sucked. Like the Yankees were the fucking worst, and Still then are. the Red Sox became the Yankees.
1: That's true. They did. Um, I'm sure Truist Park will be full of Red Sox fans tonight, just uh, just like normal. But uh, so, hey, if you're there, if you listen to this before tonight, and you're in the Atlanta area and you're at the Braves game, so we're we're really whittling down. The listenership here but if you do yeah. happen to be in the battery area or at Truist park tonight uh be on the lookout for chris and i and producer dan actually great um and we will be there on the third base side of the stadium so hit us up and we would love to say hello with that let's get into this week's episode we made a video a couple videos last night Uh, Concerning ESPN FPI's uh, projected win totals for each division in the SEC. And we kind of made some picks based upon some early looks at what FPI thinks of the teams. Um, So if you get a chance, go to YouTube, check those videos out. Um, I had to swallow some pride there with uh, one of my picks, but um, just made too much sense. Yeah, that was very
0: impressive out of you.
1: All right, so this has been talked about a lot now. And I feel like we were kind of one of the first ones when we were running through our draft recap last week and we started looking ahead at 2023. I feel like we were kind of one of the first podcasts and outlets to talk about the fact that Will Levis is a a projected first-round pick next year. Um, And now uh, Chris Trapasso, who works for CBS Sports, has released a mock draft. This was as of yesterday. That has Will Levis, the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft. In this case, he has Houston Texans being the worst team in the league, so they would be selecting him. Obviously, they had Davis Mills a couple years ago. Uh, He was a rookie last year. Uh, But Will Levis over CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, what do you think? So here's the, here's the thing.
0: I don't know if we were one of the first podcasts to talk about we it. We were. we were the first ones to shit on Will Levis' uh, draft stock for sure. And maybe we are wrong because everyone else that has come out, come out with these, I just always assume knows more than us. Um, ah, well, that's a bad assumption. That's also fair. Uh, but to have him at number one overall seems egregious. Like I said last week, like if Will Levis, who spells his name like Levi's, if he has, if, he, if he's drafted before Bryce Young, I will eat a pair of Levi jeans, which I hope does not happen. Cause I don't think that's physically possible, but I keep seeing it everywhere. And so like, and, and I don't think I've seen him in any mock. I don't think I've seen him below 15 and in, in almost every single one. He's in the top 10. So
1: is this like a measurable thing? Because even in this, you know, and obviously the task for, uh, Chris here at CBS was like throw a two or three sentences in as to why this would be the pick his is he's a, he feels like a quarterback who could eventually be the number one overall pick. He's big chiseled and has a rocket for an arm and can scramble.
0: Okay. okay so is so he, a good athlete for sure. But have you, so have you ever seen the video of him coming out of, I think it's his freshman year at Penn state. Mm-hmm. Like, him like, like doing like showing workouts? off his arm.
1: Yeah. Oh no, no. I don't think I've seen that.
0: I mean, his arm is legit. Like, I mean, his arm is, is really, really good. I don't know about like the accuracy, like downfield. Um, his numbers last year were good for the most part, but like I've said a thousand times, like he had 13 interceptions. That's a bit. That's a lot to correct. So yeah, I'm gonna walk back a little bit of the Levis slander in terms of him like it being egregious of him like to go ahead of Bryce Young, and here's why, because. Will Levis has a lot to like, one, we all know how stupid NFL execs can be and GMs can be when it comes to picking number one quarterbacks overall and and whoever has like the first pick. That's not a shot at Trayvon Walker, Georgia fans, calm down. But Bryce Young is going to be so heavily scrutinized every single thing he does as the Heisman winner coming back for another year, um, being the quarterback in Alabama. Like, I think that he is going to be criticized and critiqued way more than Levis probably will. Levis is also a guy that, that is probably going to show up a little bit more, especially at 6'3", 230 at a combine event, right? Right. Probably has a stronger arm as well. Um, I could see him going ahead of Bryce Young if a lot would have to happen, but I could see that happening. Him going ahead of Will Anderson is fucking outrageous.
1: I I tend to agree with you as, as I, as a Falcons fan who I hope will, you know, the Falcons will be the worst team in the league. I said, if I had the number one pick, even though they just selected Desmond Ritter, um, I'm not, I wouldn't have gone QB even if they hadn't gone Ritter because I think Will Anderson is a game changer. Now I think Bryce Young, potentially Levis, maybe Stroud. I think these guys could be good QBs, but Will Anderson to me is He's gonna be. He's gonna leave Bama like as an absolute legend on in a program that has produced many top tier picks on the D line. I think he might be the best of the best.
0: I mean, outside of Derek Thomas, yeah, yeah. Um, but Bryce Young being though.
1: six, maybe even him, though.
0: I don't, well, that's a lot. That's statistically a lot. that's that's crazy. Bryce Young, I think like the biggest thing is his size. Right, he's six feet one ninety five. Right. If he's six feet one ninety five, I. I will eat another pair of Levi jeans. <laughs> um I, I don't know if that's entirely true and for, for real, like I think that this is it's gonna end up being something that's like if this would happen, it's because Bryce had like I don't think he don't think he would have a bad season, but like maybe he doesn't show up well in like the the post like maybe he has multiple games like he did in like the national championship where he I don't know, like crazy things happen and his numbers are. Are shitty because th- there aren't a lot of cases of, like that from, from last season. Mm-hmm. Levis on the other hand, I mean, again, 13 interceptions, he had 15 total turnovers because he had two fumbles as well. For me, I think this is like what mock draft season just basically is every year. There's always one guy that is like hyped up beyond belief. Like, listen, so I went back to like, from like to 2014. Okay. Um, and these are the people that were, this is mainly Matt Miller and Todd McShay, but these are the names from 2014, the 2014 mocks of the quarterbacks that were projected to go in the first round. Teddy Bridgewater. He actually did. Taj Boyd. Mm.
1: Uh,
0: he's projected to go number two, Brett Hunley from UCLA and David Fales from San Jose state. The last three, uh, two of them went in the sixth round, and one of them came back uh, to school the, the following year. The next year, which was James's, uh year, him and Marietta, mm-hmm. Brett Hunley again projected as a top five pick ahead of Jameis. Uh, he went in the fifth round, 147th overall, and then Bryce Petty from Baylor, uh, who ended up going in the fourth round. 2016 is just a fucking mm, a who's who of letdowns. Christian Hackenberg... Cardell Jones, Connor Cook, and Jared Goff. Jared Goff is the only one that actually went in the first round. Um, the other t- well, Hackenberg somehow went in the second round, and the other two went in the fourth. Um, all of them are out of the league, though. All right, then you have 2017. 2017 is pretty hard to fuck up, man. It is pretty hard to fuck up. Uh, Just in that in general? I mean, that's you had three first-round picks. That's Deshaun Watson... Mitch Trubisky, and then um, Pat Mahomes. Hmm. They had.
1: You could always trade up. You could always trade up a pick to get Trubisky.
0: Brad Kaya was projected to go fourth overall from Miami. Um, Mason Rudolph and Luke Falk from Washington State. Big Luke Falk guy. I'll be honest. Both of those guys returned uh, the following year. Brad Kaya went in the sixth round. Um, 2018, actually pretty impressive. Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, all of them went in the first, but the number one overall was Baker Mayfield. Nobody had him in a single mock year before. I'm almost done, I promise. 2019, uh, Justin Herbert, Drew Locke, Clayton Thompson from Northwestern. I don't know what he's doing now. Um, Shay Patterson, Nick Fitzgerald. Nick Fitzgerald. Nick
1: Fitzgerald. That's the Bieber guy.
0: <laughs> no, that's that's Nick Starkle. Nick Fitzgerald <laughs> okay, <that>. is. Oh <laughs> my god. I, I don't even know how to explain. If you if just like a like a, a less tan uh, Joe Milton. I mean, just would throw the shit out of it, but also very inaccurate. I think he has a career fifty one percent completion. Anyway, and then Ryan Finley. That's a twenty nineteen class that ended up having. Um, Herbert came back and then you missed out on uh, and, on Kyler Murray. All right. The last three. This is why it's important. Jake Fromm in
1: 2020. Ooh. Well, and Jacob action. Eason.
0: Do you know who became the number one overall pick that year? In 2019? 2020. Was that Mr. Joe Burrow? That was. Um, 2021... Not that bad, but Jamie Newman was a projected first-round pick in oh, yeah. several mocks. Georgia then, legend. <laughs> Georgia legend. And then this year you had Spencer Rattler. Um, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Carson Strong. Uh, one of those came back to school. Two of them were drafted in the third round, one in the fifth, and one went undrafted. Here's here's the point. You've had a number one overall pick in the draft be a quarterback in 2020. 15, 17, um, 18, 19, 20, and not, yeah, 21. Right. Um, You have not had a single person put Trubisky, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, or Joe Burrow in a single mock draft in like the way too early ones that happened like the week or so after the draft not a single mock draft had any of those four players in their, in their way too early, uh, first round picks.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people like to make the, I mean, you're not comparing them as players per se, but the, the Burrow comparison where Burrow came in, he transferred from Ohio state into LSU, into the SEC, his first year. I think, I don't think you would describe it as anything Heisman worthy at all. Um, I mean, Six teams heads five interceptions. Yeah, he was downright mediocre at best. Um, and then obviously he makes the big jump, wins the championship, wins the Heisman, puts up record numbers, those kind of things. Well, here's the deal. He had at the time, what are now the two two of the top five receivers probably in the league that you would want on your team? Mm -hmm. He had that as his two receivers on that LSU team. Um I don't know that Kentucky has that kind of playmaker on the offensive side of the ball for them.
0: They lost guess. three offensive linemen and their best guess. offensive player. Right. Um,
1: I I look back at a couple of things last year on Levis. Uh, one of the things I like to look at as far as you know, were you a good QB last year? Uh, this might be triggering to some Georgia fans, but passing efficiency. It's the names that, that we all know from last year. Uh, Grayson McCall actually has the had the top passing efficiency of all time last year, which is kind of crazy. Wait, what? Um, yeah, he was not ranked number one all time in passing efficiency that last his season last season. CJ Stroud two, Hendon Hooker three, Stetson Bennett four, Caleb Williams five, Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky who just got drafted by the Patriots, and Bryce Young, Kenny Pickett's in the top ten. KJ Jefferson, Tyler Van Dyke. You're seeing it. You're seeing. Um a very common theme here. All these guys, uh maybe not all of them, are are either were first round picks this past year in Pickett, drafted in the NFL, or are projected to be top picks. You know where Levis ranked in passing efficiency last year? I do not. 45th. Uh he was down there by uh your boy Chance Nolan from Oregon State. Okay, first off, it's not my boy. Uh, I I look back at some of the numbers from last year. We were talking about this last uh, last night a little bit before we recorded videos. Some of the big games that Levis had last year at Georgia, you know, and look, fantastic defense, no doubt, mm-hmm. but 192 yards, uh, 4.6 yards per attempt, which isn't great, uh, not very explosive. Uh, you look at Florida; he had 87. Now they didn't they they if I recall correctly. Well, I have it here. No, it was a close game. He had 87 yards passing. Against that Florida team last year. Um, Vandy. Now, probably didn't need to be in the game much, but 177 yards passing. LSU, 145. South Carolina, 102. Missouri, 179. This is These are not the numbers of a number one overall pick. Now, I'm not you know. saying he can't get there, and I know mm-hmm. that a lot of these people making these mock drafts are projecting a step up, but when that entire offense is losing some of the offensive playmaking ability that they had last year, plus like you mentioned three offensive linemen, I don't see how his numbers progress exponentially from those to where
0: you'd be, Hey, I'm all in on this guy's the number one overall pick. Yeah. I mean like going even further than that, like, and I, I know going over like, like the main reason I even brought up all like the projected, like way too early mock drafts, because there does, especially recently there, there seems to always be a guy, whether it's Jamie Newman, whether it's, I mean, Jake Fromm was projected number one overall in some mocks. Um, but the fact that you didn't have a single mock draft with Burrow, I mean, Kyler Murray was like, I think like 11 of 18. Those were his, those were his overall stats, like for his career. I mean, Baker Mayfield, he had put up a, a, like really good numbers like the year before. We talked about Burrow's. I mean, but Burrow went from 60 touchdowns, I'm sorry, 16 touchdowns and five interceptions and not even having his first 300-yard passing game until late November to 60 touchdowns and six interceptions. Right. And, and you you talk about the passer efficiency, um, the fa- like if he's a first round pick, I think it's awesome. That's great. He's very talented, and there's you know who knows what like what will happen in year two because he did come in mid year. You know like a lot to learn going into the season, and that's exactly what Burrow did as well. His first season, we saw the jump. But like you said, you're also you're losing three offensive linemen and really good offensive linemen. Um, you are also replacing your best offensive playmaker in Wondell Robinson, and you only return five starters, right? 10 total on the team. And their, their returning offensive production, like, you know, the ESPN stat um, is only 59%, which is 86th in the country. So all of that, and then you talk about the passer efficiency. theres not There hasn't been a number one overall pick that has had a QBR, like, ranked less than, or outside of, the top eight in the country and almost every single one you talk about Burrow, Kyler, um, was it Burrow, Kyler, Baker, and Jameis. They not only had the number one overall QBR in the country the year before they came out, they set like the all time record for that number on, on, like since ESPN's been keeping up with it, like back to back to back to back. Levis at 18. I I don't know. I mean, I don't think that is necessarily like what you're going to hinge his draft status on but it's not good and then you know we've we've gone on long enough just about this part or i have but you look at his numbers just in general from like his overall numbers 66 percent completion percentage um 216 yards per game like i said 24 touchdowns 33 overall but let me, let me stop
1: you there on the on the touchdowns eight of those touchdowns came against ulm and new mexico state
0: bingo and you look at his numbers against like overall, and compare them to what he looked like against the SEC on the road, versus winning teams or versus ranked teams. They went down across the board. I mean, like we're talking about like no, nothing higher than six and a half yards per attempt, uh, nothing over 175 yards per game. Completion percentage was about the same, but every, I mean seven seven touchdowns of those twenty four were against teams with winning records. He only had seven touchdown passes in in five games with with that like metric. It's crazy. Yeah. Bottom line is we fucking hate Will Levis. That is not what we're saying at all. (laughs) I just I think it's like I just if if you've missed that badly on somebody that's like like again Burrow Baker Kyler and and who was the other one Trubisky and three of those are really good. They were nowhere to be found. Mac Jones, same thing. They were nowhere to be found on, on those. Same with uh, Kenny Pickett, It was the first quarterback taken this year. It's going to be most likely a guy that we're not talking about, or it's going to be Stroud or, or, or Young.
1: Right. It, it, uh, I mean, number one overall, again, like you said, could be actually Will Anderson. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, I think the Levis, even in the first round, honestly, I think is a little bit of a reach for now. We'll see how he progresses this year. Um, but just a, a shocking thing to read yesterday when, when perusing the CBS Sports website. Cool. Um, other information that came out yesterday that to me seems very insignificant. I know a lot of people are talking about this, um, but you and I have been discussing kind of week after week, honestly, just because the college football landscape is changing so much with this NIL stuff. Um, Obviously people are starting to have a bit of a problem with it. When, you know, we talk about the Jordan Addison situation where he's not even in the transfer portal, but he ironically is in LA and news comes out that, Hey, if he ever did hit the transfer portal, USC would be, they would love to throw $3 million at him. I just, so basically you're, you're talking about tampering. And if you, if you were to anonymously poll coaches, you, everyone would know uh, that it's happening and they're probably doing it as well. Um, in fact, I was, uh, I was watching um, an interview with four state head coach, Mike Norvell this morning, and he was talking about, he's had a few players. Now we don't have a ton that people are trying to poach, but a few players have come to him and said, yeah, this code, you know, this so-and-so school reached out to me. I just wanted to let you know it's happening all over the place. And the NCAA, I think is trying to insert themselves. I, I can't even say it without laughing because to me, this is nothing about this is going to hold up. Um, but essentially they're saying, look, we're going to start looking into these NIL collectives and they, they, they want to, investigate the pay for play or inducement side of the NIL and limit, you know, boosters talking to recruits before they're even on campus and things like that. Do you think this is going to uh, clear anything up or make things better in the NIL world?
0: So oh, here's what I don't get. This is, this is like the, the, the exact verbiage that, that came out yesterday. By the way, you know, the chairman is the president of UGA.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, So there you go. Um, so the guidelines said they're specifically targeting inducements. You got to explain to me what that word means and NIL collectives. Cause that's what we've seen. Like you said, across the board, right. Um, they're trying to clarify the existing rules that explicitly disallow boosters from recruiting through interaction or providing direct aid to recruits. So basically what they're saying is like, you can still do it. You can set it all up, but you're going to have to do it through the university. You can't just have like, you know, it, like the hundred dollar handshakes and shit like that, mm-hmm. that I guess you saw in like Miami and you've seen a little bit of Texas as well. Um, it, the booster definition was, was, I, I thought pretty interesting, um, because it's anyone that can provide a service or aid to a recruit or a family member, which that's where I think the incident is going to fuck this up. Yeah. I, it, you know what I mean? And so this is the new guidelines, I don't even understand this sentence. New guidelines ask the NCAA to review violations made before May 9th when this came out. Who, who's asking the NCAA? Didn't the NCAA release this? They're asking themselves yes. to review?
1: I, I think it's just really funny that essentially they tried to wash their hands of all this NIL stuff. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, we, you know what? Maybe we should come in and, and enforce some stuff and i i, I saw anything tweet. we're good
0: at it's that
1: right and i saw a great tweet the other day from uh a guy i like to follow through 247 his uh bud elliott he he used to be mm-hmm. uh pretty involved with uh florida state side of things and i i thought this was a pretty funny tweet but also i i could consider it um certainly to be come true one day he said crazy thought ever let your kid try something you know they can't do as opposed to just telling them no the NCAA is trying and failing to enforce guidelines could be held up as more evidence of the need for college football to break off and be run by the power five slash CFP. Right. So essentially, yeah, go ahead, NCAA, go ahead and try to, to do this. And when you find out that you can't, it's just more evidence to us that there's really no use for you here anymore. And we're going to govern
0: ourselves. I actually
1: think that that's a pretty, pretty good thought there. And I, I could
0: see that coming true. Without a doubt I think it's where we're headed in general but I mean like the, the fact that they they threw out the just the idea or the possibility that they're going to review things that have happened before they made this guideline the updated guideline because before if you remember this like the only thing that they they even had in place before was players um, players are only bond or I'm sorry uh they're only uh, what is it? I don't even understand what this... Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. Players are only held liable in like, um, legal... I don't know what I'm trying to fucking say right now, Tyler. I can't read the word that I wrote down on the, my own paper. Basically, they're they're only held, like, accountable for state law. That's it. Everything else is... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, right? So, that was one. Tough start. Um, that's, that's, had... that's,
1: that's what's so weird about this, honestly, is because I... Like the state of Florida, the, the state rule is the the schools can't even be involved. So like right. Florida for State, Miami, USA, all the teams down there, they're essentially saying, Well, okay, it has to be involved with the school, but the state of Florida says no. So what the, the, the four schools can't just can't do NIL. Right. So
0: in like then it became an arms race where everyone's racing to try to like pass this legislation because the NCAA did, and then you know that was the whole thing with Congress last year. So that was one of the rules. The other one was you had to report, you had to report your NIL deals. There's no way that Nick Muse reported that $69 we gave him. Um, There's no chance. And the other one was you could be repped by agents. That's it. That's all it said. And so now you're talking about going back and trying to like uh, uh, any egregious violations. That's, that's the exact verbiage. Any egregious violations could still be held like not prosecuted, but you know what I mean? From the NCAA, that is it. The first, if they do it to Texas, the whole thing will get shut down immediately. There's no fucking way that, that Texas allows that to happen, or the SEC, or or anyone.
1: I totally agree, and I I think this is just the next step, and the NCAA being shoved out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I think it ultimately is going to lead to the power five and maybe adding in some other teams from lower levels, getting together and creating their own big conferences. I don't, I don't see how college football as it stands today is going to survive in its current format. Mm -hmm. Like I I don't see if if you've got two conferences like the sec and the big 10 that make so much exponential more than the other three conferences even combined, you can't, you can't have that. So eventually the NCAA is going to fall apart. Power Five will band together to figure out a way for to make these mega conferences spread the wealth, because you've seen they're starting to talk about now how um, they're going to put it up to a vote to have unlimited coaches, un- unlimited off field staff. How many schools are going to be able to do that in the country right. outside of the two power conferences? Um, it's just widening the gap, and so I think I think we're going to see major change, including the NCAA no longer being in the way of any schools like within the next five years.
0: Yeah, I can see that. If yep. not
1: sooner. So, um, yeah, I mean, NCAA, I just think this is, it's going to be funny to try to see them. And they, they were talking about, like, retroactively punishing people. So, like, That's before they saying. even
0: made a rule. <laughs> Which <laughs> is, is the most comes, NCAA thing ever. Who comes up with this stuff? Mark Emmert? I, I mean, I guess. <laughs> I mean, oh, God. that There's, like, there are a few people that I've wanted to retire more. Than, than him and uh, it, anyway I just that's I can't fucking wait. We should honestly we should go live stream his retirement party just like eight people sitting around this fucking cold ass room like for he's a child fell. Karen brought cake. Karen brought her, her famous cake. It's a bunt cake. Anybody want
1: to give a speech? Hey uh, Mark, yeah the, it, you know. Just an absolutely stellar job over the years. Uh, I don't know what this institution is going to do without your guidance going forward. Looking back at all your accomplishments, just the one, I I guess probably getting hired. Yeah, it's a really good job by you and great for your family. Uh, Not so much great for anyone else, really, Um, but congratulations to your family for everything that you guys have
0: accomplished for yourselves. What do you think he's going to do in his downtime because he can't like take money from kids anymore. I I just, I fully expect him to like be just the worst in his own neighborhood. Like just like like, lemonade stands. Oh yeah. That's, that's fucking perfect for him.
1: Yep. Uh, excuse me, sir. The um, left side of your door appears to have paint chipping off of it. Uh, we need to get that done ASAP. Otherwise we're going to assess a $432
0: fine payable immediately. We're going to actually, it's part of, it's going to go to me just in yeah. my own pocket. Um, I th- you know what? Honestly, the best job for him outside of HOA president meter made, just giving mm. out tickets. It's like a college town too. That's actually fucking perfect. Yep. He's one of those guys
1: that would say, you know, you'd start arguing. He would say, I, I don't make the rules. And I don't break the rules. I just Even you move, see buddy. the name tag says law enforcement. I enforce the law. That's part of my job. I don't know. Law if he has order. Accent. So anyways, uh, yeah, I, I think it's much ado about nothing here. Um, now I do uh, with the NIL stuff, there is going to obviously have to be something fixed and there's going to have to be some sort of, I know the coaches are really clamoring for having some sort of uh period where you can't go into the portal anymore because you kind of have to know what's going to be on your roster for the upcoming season um so there's some things that need to be fixed with the portal and il but i don't think the ncaa is going to really be the one to a come up with the rules or b enforce them uh because i just don't think at this point like like if you if you broke the role the the ncaa rule as uh as a coach at clemson and they say hey you know we are recommending that you pull scholarships. What's from you just saying, I don't think we're going to do that.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, Auburn won a whole national championship like that. <laughs> exactly. So there's an asterisk though. Well, you know, in our hearts there.
1: Maybe we'll get Reggie Bush's Heisman trophy after all. You
0: after know, all that, this. It, Mark Emmert, like just melted that thing down, <laughs> made a bunch of fucking like figurines and shit like that. Of himself. Just just um, himself. Just a, a bust yeah. of him.
1: So anyways, um, so we'll see what happens with all that. Um, and we'll obviously uh, report on it as the big J journalist that we are, if something does come down. Um, but yeah, in, in the Jordan Addison situation, obviously a lot of what's going on with that, I think sparked this not only debate, but then the NCAA thinking they could get involved. He's in the portal now officially. So last time we talked about it, he wasn't in the portal yet. He claims that, you know, he could always go back to Pitt. I think most of us think that that's probably not going to happen. Um, it seems that maybe some sec schools have entered the mix. Now, have you been hearing
0: anything on Jordan Addison? So he was working out with Bryce young, which I, I don't feel like is that big of a deal. I feel like in the summertime, you know, that happens a lot. Um, if he came to Bama, it would be awesome. And I hope they're tampering <laughs> the shit out of that. Like, because well, it's like, not temporary anymore was, he's in the portal it's free game so here's the other thing we, we reported this incorrectly last week and and Stuart mandel came out who's like an actual big j journalist and has like a fuck ton of connections works for the athletic all that kind of stuff and, and then just smugly wrote like some tweet about how like um it's funny how quickly things can just become true on twitter based off of just one random tweet because UST doesn't even have a collective you know what? You probably could have came out before all that shit started and like set the record straight on that. I like I don't remember right. how that that rumor became fact, but it didn't seem like it was like just some, you know, outlandish like tweet, I guess that like people everyone just took seriously.
1: Well, I mean, to me that's just semantics. Okay, so if it's not a collective, did somebody offer him 3 million dollars? Not a exactly. collective, but just one person that works for Beats. Right.
0: Um, yeah, and if you have like you have, you know, with there's smoke, there's fire. And you talk about when you have like their head coach at Pitt openly calling out Lincoln Riley and trying to like figure out the whole tampering situation. No, but I tell you what, somebody brought this up last week, I think on 24-7. Tennessee is a team like to look out for because that would be a perfect fit for that kid. Wow. In, in Hypo's offense, oh my God, that would be just outstanding. Tennessee to, does not to seem it, to be uh, messing around too much on the NIL front at this point. No, I tell you what, man, shit like this is like a perfect way to get that program. That, I'm talking about like some of these dormant blue blood programs, and Tennessee absolutely is one. Um, Tennessee, Texas, USC, like, you know, some of these like bigger names with deep pockets and uh, that have like a lot of tradition and a lot of resources. This is the perfect way to bring them back. Uh, it seems the
1: latest trend, uh, as far as the Arch Manning recruitment is Texas at this point. So yeah, obviously that could that change. You did, Chris.
0: Get GD right I did.
1: I mean, I, and to me, his decision probably isn't as much based on NIL just because he comes from mm-hmm. a family with a lot of money. Um, but it doesn't hurt. And the, the schools in Texas with oil money, I mean, you know, oil money. You know, I do I do not. Oh, okay. Well, they got a lot of it in Texas and uh they got a lot to throw around at these recruits. So um yeah, Texas that's all it takes. You get an arch manning. I mean, they already got Quinn Ewers. Um,
0: but Texas is gonna be real good this year.
1: Texas is gonna be back. You
0: calling it now? I've already I've already done it. I've been, I've been calling that Dan Matthews, don't, don't you dare. Don't you <laughs> Dan dare, Dan. <laughs>
1: so um but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with Jordan Addison. Maybe by the next time we record, he'll have known where he is going. Maybe it's not USC. Um, Caleb Williams was openly tweeting at him uh, to come to USC, so we'll see how that goes. Um, anything else on, on your docket before we end the pod today?
0: Um, no, check out the uh, like a bunch of the lines um, for Week One came out. There's some some pretty good. Uh, Opening week lines, I think that are kind of interesting. We can, you know, we can get to that next week. Um, Who was the other thing? Oh yeah, the videos we did for the SEC win totals from FBI because some of the over unders are coming out for the year, and also the uh, the first lines came out for division winners. Georgia is minus like seven fifty. It's probably not. I mean,
1: at that point, if you think like. If you want to try to like throw a long shot out there, like maybe Tennessee does get Jordan Addison, you know, minus 750 is just that's that's Clemson level of the ACC type odds there.
0: I mean, yeah, that's the kind of shit you were trying to pull for the uh the draft. The night yeah, one.
1: it's Yeah, Trayvon Walker minus a thousand to be the first Georgia player. I would have hit by the way,
0: it's I all matter, bro. Throwing a
1: thousand dollars to get what is it, one, one dollar.
0: I, I think it would be 10, but yeah, either okay, way. <laughs> um no, we'll get to that stuff next week. And then um we we need to figure out a trip because we got we got baseball s c baseball tournament still coming up. Um we got open doors. Yeah. I don't want to go to Nebraska ever, but maybe the College World Series. I've heard Omaha's a fun time. Okay, it's yeah, that's fun. just from that one O A R song. Uh don't, don't give me OAR slander. All right. Love all right. We're going to sign off. on that. All
1: right. All right. All right. Yeah. If you're out of the Braves game tonight, just so happen to be try to find us. We'll give you a high five.
0: I'll give you a hug. All a right. side hug. Let's keep it fucking classy. All right, Tyler. It is that time of year where there's not much to do until uh, magazine season, which is a fantastic season. We're going to look at the over-unders from the FPI, which is, now, if you're talking about, I don't know, um, projected win totals, rankings, whatever, uh, it is like ESPN's go-to. What, what would you trust from FPI's numbers?
1: You know what I trust? I think last year they had Mississippi State as, like, the fourth best team in the country.
0: <laughs> Eight. It was eighth. Like, right out of the gates. It was the, it was the first releasing. Or like, Anyway.
1: No, I mean FPI. I think it's a a good sense of what we know of these teams. I think it's a little different now with the transfer portal. It's. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of hard to power rate these schools without having to see. I mean, some of these will still get transfers in. Yeah. So I mean, but for now, I, I think it's a, at least a decent look at what we can expect for over unders for the fall.
0: I feel like FPI is somewhat like like your shady accountant. You know what I mean? It's like we're gonna fudge the numbers. It'll be fine. It'll be fine, though. You're get, you're definitely gonna have this amount of wins by the end of the season. All right. Here's what we're looking at, though. SEC West over unders. Um, which one of these seven teams are you highest on covering their win total?
1: Uh, so I was shocked by this number on the on on the team I chose here. It's Texas A&M. Um, it's seven point five is the is the projected mm-hmm. win. So even if you want to round up to eight, I think, I think it's a no brainer to bet this. I mean, they're playing, first of all, they're playing UMass who is year in and year out the worst team by far in the country. Um, Sam Houston state app, that's three already. So you need four more for the rest of your schedule, SEC. And then you're also playing Miami, which to me, I think A&M, if they're the level of team that they should be this year should easily get past Miami. Um, You've got Auburn on the road, but uh, who knows what Auburn even looks like this year? I don't even know what they're going, they're doing at QB yet. Um, you've got a stable for sure. You've got uh, the last, the last game is is a, a program in LSU, who maybe by the end of the season will be better, but first year coach uh, there. So I don't know. I, th- I think A can easily go over seven and a half wins. Um, that's going to be a no brainer bet for me. All
0: right, I'm in, this, I'm in a similar boat because Ole Miss is seven. It's 7.7, so basically seven and a half, right? Yep. I, I do feel like they're going to come back a little bit. A 10-win season in year two under Kiffin is really impressive. I don't want to look at his track record and base anything off that, but I will say this. There's an influx of talent. Uh, you have Zach Evans at running back, right? Um, you, you have – I don't know if it's going to be Altmire if it's going to be Jackson Dart at quarterback, but you're going to have a lot of talent there. It's year three in that system, so I, I know they lost some guys in the NFL. But here's the thing. they They get Kentucky – out of the out of the east and vanderbilt right i I think that's and they get kentucky at home i just feel like that sets up well the other part is they get georgia tech as one of their non-cons central arkansas um let me see what else we got here they get auburn at home troy and tulsa i I feel like they're destined to to land over that win total am i wrong
1: I, well, Jackson Dart didn't exactly look great in the spring game. Now I get it. He just got there. Maybe he needs some time, but I think they were hoping he would come in. He was one of the higher ranked guys in the portal and looks like Alt- Altmyer. at least at this point, he, and he's been in the system longer, but seems like he's kind of got the edge right now at QB. And if that's the case, I, I think it kind of limits the, the upside
0: for Ole Miss, honestly. I mean, that's a very good point. I'm glad I brought all that up then. Um, you could have just said that before I started talking. The other part is this I, I will say, because I want to look at Arkansas, they're they're pretty similar in like their projected wins. Um, but they also play BYU and Cincy. And I know Cincy just lost nine guys in the NFL, but still. The other one, Mississippi State at six, I think it's like six point four. So basically over six and a half, year three, and you have Will Rogers back at quarterback. That also seems like a pretty surefire bet for me. Um you know, we, we still have about 120 days left to decide and pull the trigger on these because, you know, I'm not going to do the right thing and bet early when you had the best odds. I'm going to wait till the last minute. But so far, that's what we have out of the SEC West. Is there anything else that catches your eye?
1: Out of the West? No, but I, I look forward to talking about the East a little bit.
0: Well, let's do it. <laughs> All
1: right, so we're back with a little SEC East win total projections from ESPN's FPI rankings um as we discussed in our video in the west if you haven't checked that out please go check it out um who knows really what these projections look like obviously going into the fall i mean this is these numbers are the numbers but i think you'll still see some transfer i mean hell jordan addison's in the portal that guy might be going right. anywhere uh he could, yeah. I could i could would it surprise you if he showed up on an sec roster not
0: at all and listen <laughs> here's the, well we're not gonna get into that today but yes <laughs> it would not surprise me at all uh, i think tennessee is a is a dark horse for that. Speaking of Tennessee and dark horses. Yeah, win-loss total. Oh, you're
1: gonna take my pick?
0: No, no, that's not that's not mine. I'm gonna ask okay. you though, what is your best bet to land on the over for win total?
1: Well, I think I just gave it away, but it's Tennessee
0: at seven. You definitely did, you definitely gave it away for sure.
1: Um, look, I mean, outside of Bryce Young, is Hinton Hooker the best QB in the SEC?
0: He might be the best QB even with Bryce Young.
1: I'm just saying uh, you play ball ball State um, you're at Pitt which you lost to last year but you you had a guy who's a first round QB at Pitt also as just mentioned Jordan Addison might be switching sidelines potentially um, for that game so you're not as worried then you go to Akron so I think that's a 3 and0 start Florida to me I mean I'm not expecting much in year one as they transition into the Napier era and you got LSU on the road but that's another first year head coach that's going to be transitioning the roster. I really like the way that their schedule sets up for them um we'll see you know you you're at South Carolina that's going to be a big one at the end of the year, and then you you finish at Vandy, so you should be able to take care of that. So I love Tennessee in over seven right now.
0: It's a fantastic pick, and it would have been mine as well. um I think that is probably the best bet i mean if, if he was able to do that hype ball, that is if he was able to do that in year one i you know i I think that that is probably the the floor for what he can do in year two, especially with like you lose a couple of guys like Vilas Jones, but you get Hooker back. at I mean, 29 touchdowns, three interceptions. I'm talking about, like, including his, like, on, on the ground, he had over 30. Um, just a phenomenal job in year one. So, I really want to pick South Carolina, but the fact that you got to have road games at Arkansas, road games at Florida and Kentucky, and you still have to play Clemson and Georgia, right? And and they get one of those on the road as well. That's not where I'm going to go. Um, I, I I'm going to hate myself for this, I
1: don't
0: know. but I'm, I'm going to take Georgia over oh, 11 and a half. And I know that sounds crazy. And we watched Kirby screw that up a number of times, right? Like I, I, I totally get how ridiculous that sounds, but you watch the spring game. I was there in person watching like the amount of talent they still have there. You look at like the, the mock drafts and, and Jalen Carter and, you know, here in you have a, a record number of draft picks and the best player, like prospect wise, might still be on the roster in Athens with Jalen Carter, and they just have the number one overall pick as well. Um, they they play Oregon and Atlanta. That's a win. Samford, they go at Carolina. I don't think that's close. Kent State, Mizzou, on the road, maybe maybe they catch them like napping. But you get Auburn, Tennessee, both of those games at home, and then, then you get Mississippi State and Kentucky uh, to close out right before you play Georgia Tech, which is obviously a win. I don't see who beats them. I, I mean – Maybe Mississippi State jumps up after they, they go Florida and Tennessee back-to-back. But I think Georgia is one of the better teams in the country. And I, this sounds crazy, but I That's feel a like hot they're take. almost being slept on a little bit. That is a hot I, I For real, I feel like they're <laughs> almost being slept on a little bit because of all the hype around Alabama and Ohio State.
1: It's a fair point. I, I do think... Um, I, I'd love to see how Kentucky replaces uh, our boy wandell Robinson. Yeah. Um, but if Levis... Who we're going to talk about later this week is to be, you know, projected potential number one overall pick. We're talking about a road game, potentially a night game if yeah. Kentucky's good. Um, with a first round level QB. Now I don't know if you and I agree with that. We'll see. Tune in later this week, huh? There it is. Um, <laughs> but that could be a potential um, bump in the road there towards the end. But I, I agree. I mean, the rest of the schedule looks. Uh, I don't know, like a cakewalk, honestly, for a team like Georgia.
0: Right, and I will say this: so you and I both live in Atlanta. Um, Murder Kroger, Disco Kroger, Ponce Kroger. I mean, you don't walk into a lot of Krogers at night, and, and like in this city, and leave unscathed. You don't walk into Kroger Field in November and leave you unscathed. You probably do, statistically speaking. But we'll, you know, we'll see what happens when we get there. All right, those are our picks for the SC East. Make sure you check out the SC West predictions as well. Um, and we will catch you next time. I don't know why I did the piece on I did it back. Yeah, it was cool. Anyway.